Well, listen, uh, Tim Peake, it's an honour to have you on the show. Uh, I, I would describe you as a national treasure. Is that, is that too much to call you a national treasure? <laughs> uh, I've never called myself a national treasure before, but uh, I've been... Put it on LinkedIn. Things. Tim, put <laughs> it on LinkedIn. You've earned it, sunshine. Uh, these are weird times. I mean, uh, obviously, everyone's going through unusual stuff at the moment. What is your philosophy on, on dealing with these? Obviously, I guess being an astronaut, uh, you have a, a real procedure about how you deal with things and what needs to be done. You have to be super careful. So do you feel like you're slightly uh, better prepared for dealing with these unusual times than people in other careers? I think we're really fortunate because so much of our training and preparation is all about dealing with uncertainty, dealing with emergencies, coping with isolation, resilience. Um, and without really thinking about it, it's all about preparation for lockdown. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the, you know, it does help. And I, I, I sympathize hugely with people this year and everything that they've had to go through and adapting to these unusual circumstances. It's not easy. And I guess also everything that you managed to achieve up on the uh, International Space Station, I'm sure that over the real lockdown period, you didn't make a, a single mess of a single uh, Zoom call or FaceTime call or, or family quiz or anything like that. I bet your feed was the one that always worked. I was learning as, as rapidly as everybody else. And do you know what? I actually think it was more stressful in a home environment than living on the space station during lockdown because we didn't have homeschooling in, on the space station for sure. Oh, yeah. Trying to set up a family quiz actually is probably up there with uh, being in orbit and trying to get uh, in touch with people and stuff like that, I imagine. Uh, Tim, when you've been fortunate enough to go into space uh, and, and see things that, like you have, is everything else after that a bit of an anticlimax? How do you get up to the levels of, of being in space for the remainder of your your time on this planet yeah I, I never try and make anything live up to that because it won't live up to it and, and so you have to come down and manage your expectations accordingly but I, I'm always kind of taking myself back to, to times and moments on the space station and it'll suddenly hit me at some point during the day and I'll be thinking about something and I think that's great to be able to reflect and draw on that as a really positive experience and especially you know the spacewalk and seeing yeah. the earth from space those kind of things but you're right uh you know things it is very different back here on an earth and day-to-day a day-to-day -day life here is nothing like on board the space station do, so do you have to rein it in a little bit to stop yourself from uh, overly dishing out space anecdotes you don't want to be space uncle albert from only fools and horses <laughs> so when, I was, no, no, when no, i was on a, when i was on the space if, station the kids were rolling their eyes if anything is the opposite, I actually quite enjoy it when people don't know who I am and I can just have a normal conversation and not talk about space sometimes. <laughs> Fair play. So you've got a fantastic mantelpiece and, uh, and wall going on behind you. I think I trump everyone because I have a copy of Tim Peak <laughs> Limitless here. Hey, that was our copy. What are we doing with it in that room? It's not fair. <laughs> read it all, read it all. Um, but but you, you, you talk in the book about like, you know, not limiting your, your goals and your dreams and all that kind of thing. When you were at university in Portsmouth, um, as a Sussex boy myself from Eastbourne and you growing up in Chichester and, uh, and, and you had these dreams... Obviously, you went on to be a helicopter pilot and a test pilot and, and, and all this. But be, be honest, was, was astronaut always the goal? Or, or did you feel like you ticked off things when you were in the helicopter and the Apache and all that kind of stuff? No, I, I didn't have astronaut as a long-term goal. And, you know, I, I, I was telling in the story in the book that I felt a bit of a fraud, really, compared to some of my peers who were, you know, seven, eight-year-old boys or girls, and, and they really dreamt of becoming an astronaut. Admittedly, a lot of them were, were either American or Russian, and, and there's a very clear path if you're American or Russian citizen to becoming an astronaut. We didn't have such a clear path in the UK when I was growing up. 
Um, and so for me, being a pilot was my passion, was my driving force. And I only ever kind of looked two or three years ahead in the future, uh, becoming an instructor and then a test pilot. And it was not until I was 33 that I got my degree. And then I realized, hey, you know, I'm the right time, right age, right qualifications to go for it. And also, I mean, you, you were, uh, one of the lovely things about the book is you were quite an unassuming lad. You could, fair to say, fairly shy when you were growing up. So you, the fact that you've done what you've done gives hope to any kid who might be eight or nine years old. And, and in this weird time, to be, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I was really scared of everything. It was quite shy. And you, it gives hope that you can blossom and flourish and go on and do amazing things, you know? I like, I like to think so. I mean, I talk about my very ordinary upbringing, but it really was. It was just, you know, West Sussex from a small village going to a state high school, leaving with three really bad A-levels, um, joining, <laughs> joining the army um, and, and learning how to fly helicopters. And, and um, it all started there, really. And like I say, I worked my way up. Um, to get to a position where I could become an astronaut. And it's, it really is about going from ordinary to, you know, doing something extraordinary. And I hope that that does give inspiration for anybody that they really can follow their dreams and, and you know, work hard and a lot of effort and things can come to fruition. Speaking of give, uh, giving inspiration, as, as three gentlemen, all in our 40s, um, only one of us has been up in space. Please, for the other two, tell us there are still household tasks that you struggle with on return. <laughs> <laughs> I, absolutely, I'm a dreadful cook. I, I mean, beans on toast. Beans on toast is about my limit. Um, it really is. So there's, there's plenty of things uh, that I really struggle with. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I love tech. I love engineering and technology and science, but I, I will struggle just as anybody else with to try and get the, you know, the internet working and get the house, yeah. you know, communications. <laughs> Trying to series link stuff is always a, always a bit of an yeah. issue. I mean, we, yeah. we love that. I think one of the, the, the reasons why like, we started this by saying you're a national treasure, I think one of the reasons is that we love the whole Britain space thing. And we, we kind of, you feel sometimes in this country used to just have a step in a side whilst the Americans and the Chinese go and do all this kind of stuff. Do you think there's ever going to be a chance in the future uh, where there'll be like a UK space agency with rockets launching from Swindon and landing in Milton Keynes or anything like that, Tim? Say, it, say it's a possibility. Well, the, the UK space agency is growing every year, so it's doing a really good job. And, and the space industry in the UK is going from strength to strength. I'm actually working with a couple of space startups. One of those companies wants to be the first company to launch rockets from the UK, from Scotland. Oh, wow. That'd be um, amazing. So Sky, yeah, Sky Aurora doing brilliant work there. So absolutely right. We've got Spaceport Cornwall, where we want to have, you know, uh, aircraft taking <laughs> I think, off. Is that a nightclub? I think I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. But no, you're absolutely right. We're we're very ambitious in this country and we should be we're at the cutting edge of many uh, space-based technologies so yes we, we should see some great things over the next few years well as the national treasure uh, as a title that you are reluctant to accept but we're going to keep going with it um plenty of people wanted to take the chance of asking you questions uh, no doubt also to win themselves a signed copy of uh, tim peak limitless um spike kicks us off with can you play conkers in space and if so how <laughs> that's a great great can you play conkers? yes you could by using centrifugal force so i mean if you just hung a conker there it's just going to float in weightlessness and you're not going to be able to do anything but it, if you spin it round, and then yes you, you can use centrifugal force and you can use that to bash it into another floating conker be quite fun actually i'd not i'd not even thought about that but it would be quite fun but what harm would a smashed conker then be in the environment of a space station? 
Yeah, it would be it would be terrible. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I had one incident one day, um, uh, and again, I mentioned this in the book, where I was coming back with a whole ball full of M&Ms. It was a clear plastic ball, um, hundreds and hundreds of M&Ms in there. We, we kind of use it for outreach and things. And I was in a hurry, and this ball clipped the top of the hatch, broke open, and, you know, all oh these M&Ms went careering down the Russian segment. Uh, we, were, we were finding them. We were finding them months later. So, no, conquers bits like that, nuts, crisps, that's not good in space. It just gets everywhere. Uh, Carrie Louise says on Twitter, um, Tim, did you have a schedule whilst on the ISS? So you knew uh, what was day and what was night? Yes, we do. Uh, we work to GMT. We just set our watches to Greenwich Mean Time, so British Winter Time, and and that's the the day. That's the schedule we work to, and it's a very well organised and well planned schedule. And if we didn't have that, we would our circadian rhythm would be really messed up because we see sixteen sunrises, sixteen sunsets, you know, in a twenty four hour oh, period. Word. So you just have to. It takes about two weeks when you first get on board to kind of get into the the flow and the routine. Um, and uh, yeah, you just have to go by your watch and go by that schedule. If, if any Spanish people, any Spanish astronauts come on, do they try and do a cheeky siesta? A siesta's allowed during that time frame? <laughs> I think it's like Big Brother up there. There's so many cameras, everyone's watching you. You wouldn't get away with it. Uh, Paul says, Paul Faulkner, how did you relax your head when sleeping to keep from drifting? Do you have a cap with Velcro? It's a niche question, we'll be honest with it's you. A, it's a great question. It's a very niche question. But no, um, I used to just loosely tie my sleeping bag to the wall of my crew quarters so I could float around a bit because it's nice to float around. You know, you get that lovely sensation of, of weightlessness, but you don't want to be banging your head, uh, you know, in the middle of the night. So didn't have anything to rest my head on. I would just simply float there. Uh, some, wow. some astronauts have actually taken a small pillow and kind of strapped it to their ear just so they get that feeling of... <laughs> Of kind of having I reckon, I, reckon I could be an astronaut, you know. I genuinely think I could be an astronaut. <laughs> uh, NASA Liam, who's got a fantastic uh, uh, Twitter handle, asks, did you do any family traditions on the ISS for certain events? Uh, well, I get to do a family call every Sunday. So that was great being able to, you know, go see, see my, my two boys and see my wife. Um, and uh, I missed, you know, birthdays. I missed anniversaries. I missed everything in the six months I was up there. So, of course, we would try and celebrate that as much as possible. But the video calls were just a great opportunity to have that link back to your, your loved ones back home. But not so much uh, traditions that I can think of. Uh, one final question from Zoe. Tim, if you were given the option to fly to the moon or Mars, which would you go to? Ooh. Uh, oh, that's a great question. Do you know, if it was, if it was today, right now, I would go moon. Uh, I think firstly, because I think the moon's really in a, an exciting destination and, and we're going to go there and put permanent habitation modules. Uh, but also, in Mars is a three-year mission, and um, I would be coming back and I would have missed a huge chunk of my, uh, my boys growing up. But yeah. once they're at university, you know, once they're out and established. Get the hell out there. Limitless. He's Limitless. on book. Um, <laughs> Tim, go on. We've got, we've got to ask you this. Uh, Richie and I have uh, different views on, on this subject. Do you think there's, there's, are we alone? Is there life out there amongst the stars? It's not just us, is it? That could be, that's quite depressing, isn't it? If it's just us. I, I, uh, I'm a huge believer that life is prevalent throughout the universe. I really do. Um, uh, now, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, little green men, you know, coming to visit us on Earth in, in spaceships. But I think that when you look at biogenesis on Earth, it happened really quickly, actually, as soon as the conditions were suitable. It took a long time for single cell life to become intelligent, complex life. So I think complex life is, is much rarer. 
But I do think there is enormous amount of life out in the universe. The question is, will we ever know about it? The scale, you know, the distances are so vast. Yeah. And our, our short time frame of existence may not coincide with another, you know, alien life form's time frame. <laughs> As we stand, robots can't even walk up the stairs, and the best we've had for alien life is like a plankton, just a, a few feet down in Mars. We've got to do better than that, Tim. Space has got to do better. Well, we, we had some exciting news recently about Venus and, and uh, phosphine in Venus's atmosphere, so who knows, that, that might be the first place that we actually find signs of alien life. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, Tim, one final question. Um, on Monday night, I played uh, an hour of Six Aside. Uh, I'm still feeling it. Um, is there anything that you are still feeling from all that time up in the space station when you get out of bed in the morning? Is there a part of the body or, or something that you still think, God, I'm still feeling that? Oh, that's a good, great question, actually. But no, not now. Um, uh, I, I, but it did take a lot of physio and rehab when you come back to get yeah. your muscles and your bones all back in working order. And yes, for six months, I was definitely feeling it. Um, you know, there would, you would, uh, your core strength needs a lot of rebuilding. Your lower back muscles need a lot of work. Um, and also things like the soles of your feet. You, you're, you come back and the soles of your feet are like newborn baby skin. Before, <laughs> and so, yeah, <laughs> so for the first few months, you're building up, the, you know, the core skin that you need to stop your feet being too sensitive. There's all sorts of things like that that you're getting used to when you come wow. back. Well, listen, uh, Tim, it's been amazing to speak to you. Uh, go and get the book Limitless. It's fantastic, inspirational as well, particularly if you're a shy kid and you feel like you're not going to achieve anything. It's an amazing story uh, and a story that is being written day by day, which is a fantastic thing. Obviously, you would have listened to music uh, up there on the space station. Uh, can, we, can we play you any band that you were, you were listening to that you loved when you were, when you were up amongst the stars? Oh, I had loads of, of great music with me. Um, Queen's always been a huge favourite. Don't Stop Me Now was what I listened to just before rocket launch, and that always raises the hairs on the back of my neck. Fantastic. Well, let, let's, let's get those hairs raised in. Tim, good to speak to you. Thanks for chatting to Absolute Radio. Thanks very much. Great, great to be with you guys.